Genesis chapter number three in your Bibles. And if you're a visitor today, thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you're here. I think I saw several first-time guests in the room, and thank you for coming. If right after church you see this handsome devil right here in the front here, Brother Asprelli, and uh, you see him, and he'll get you a book and uh, just want to meet you. On the way out, we'd love to meet you today. Genesis chapter number three, look at verse number one. And uh, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And let's read Genesis chapter number one. I'll read verse number one, and you follow along as I read. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, <clears throat> Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both, what? Opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Now would you take your Bibles and go to the New Testament. Go to the book of Romans in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And we'll get to Romans together. Verse, chapter number 5, we're going to look at verse 12. Romans chapter number 5, verse 12, we know that Genesis was written by Moses, recounting the uh, beginning of man, and the, that was what we just read, is called in theology the original sin, or the first sin. And now we're coming to the book of Romans that Paul the Apostle wrote, and he's explaining salvation, justification, sin, and punishment, and all these things. Look at Romans chapter number 5, and we're going to read verse 12, and why don't we read it together? Ready, begin. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. How many have sinned? All. Oh, take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, two verses or two chapters over. Romans chapter number 3, look at verse 23. Let's read that verse together. Romans 3, 23. Ready? Hold on, hold on. Now, hold on a second. <laughs> I had to get there. All right, let's read it. Ready? Verse 23. Ready? Begin. For all have sinned and come short. All right. So raise your hand if you're a sinner today. All right. So we're all sinners. Some of you didn't raise your hand, but you are. Okay. I'll let you know that right now. We're all sinners today. A. Parnell Bailey, who is a Christian writer, wrote about a story when he visited an orange grove. He went to this orange grove, and the irrigation pump had broken down, and the season was unusually dry and hot, and the trees were beginning to die for lack of water. The man who was giving the tour to Bailey said, I want to show you this orchard, and I want to show you my orchard. So he took him to another orchard, in his own, his own orchard, and here's what he said. He said, these trees, his orchard, they can go without rain for more than two weeks at a time, he said, or irrigation. He said, you see, when these trees were young, I frequently kept water from them. This hardship caused them to send their roots deeper into the soil in search of moisture. Now, mine are the deepest rooted trees in the area, and while others are being scorched by the sun, 
My trees are finding moisture at a greater depth. When God allows pain to come into our life, there's always a purpose. Let me say that again. When God allows pain to come into our life, it's always for a purpose. But we have a choice to either find the purpose or to become bitter because of the pain. We could try to weather the pain in our own strength. And this will lead us, like these trees, to wither and die. Or we can choose to send our roots deeper to a deeper source of life. What do we do when life brings us pain? How do we respond? Why do we suffer in the first place? Today, hopefully, this can be an encouraging message and to help us all, whether you're dealing with pain now or you will in the future, finding purpose through pain. Let's pray. Father, this message is one that we all have or will experience. And so, Lord, I pray today that you'd help us in our minds, again, to focus on you. Thank you for the music. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we could draw our attention towards you. That someday there will be no more night, no more pain, no more sorrow. So help us, Lord, in these few and weary days that we have here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you're taking notes today, I want to draw your attention to number one, which is the source of pain. The source of all pain. Verse 17 of Genesis chapter number three said, And Adam said, because thou hast, God says to, to, uh, to Adam, he says, And Adam, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, in the sorrow, and in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. How many find work to be sorrowful? Amen. Uh, my house is the, uh, you know, Stockton is like weed country, man. I tell you, I found this cool thing. It's called the weed dragon. Have you ever seen the weed dragon? Ever, I'm telling you, go online. If you, if you want to have some fun, go online and buy the weed dragon. You'll have so much fun uh, starting fires in your backyard. But anyway, <laughs> where does pain come from? It comes from one source. Why do so many suffer? Why do the righteous, those that it doesn't make any sense why God would allow them to go through suffering, why does that happen? I want to do a little experiment today. So take out a piece of paper or the notes that I, we gave you this morning, if you have anything like that, or take out your phone and go to the notes section. Now I'm going to use this illustration several times through the message, so it'll help you if you do this. If you don't want to do it, it's perfectly fine. Uh, but if you'd like to be a part of the illustration today, It'll help you. So take out a piece of paper and a pen, whether it's the notes or whatever we gave you or your phone, and I'm going to have you write a few things down, all right? So get those things out, and if you have them, get them out there, and I want you to think about something for a moment. In your piece of paper there or in your phone, as I talk here for just a few moments, I want you to, in your mind, think about what causes pain in your life. What causes you pain in your life? Now, some of these things if it's very private, maybe not, don't write it right now, but maybe just in shorthand, remind yourself what that is. What causes pain? And I did this experiment in my office. I wrote some things down to help jumpstart your thinking. But right now, you could write things. What causes pain in my life? It could be that others treat you poorly, badly, unlovingly, or don't appreciate you. And that could be family. It could be coworkers. It could be anyone. It could be that your wife or your husband or your children act in an unloving way. It could be that you have a family member who's rejecting Christ. These are things that I'm just trying to help you jumpstart. I have a purpose for this, so just write it down. Just write it down. Things that cause me pain. Things that cause me pain. How about Christian brethren who walk away from God 
or who quit on God? Or how about people that fail us causes us pain? It could be the death of a loved one or one who is suffering. It could be our own pain, our own physical pain. For instance, a disease or an injury or something along those lines. But write these things down. I have a reason for this, so just stick with me. Don't don't give up on me yet. Write these things down as I'm talking. You say, Pastor, why are you having us write these things down? If you are going to find purpose in pain, you must first recognize the source of the pain. If you're going to find purpose for that pain in your life, you must recognize the source of the pain. Did you know that it's a common thing for people to be misdiagnosed at the doctor? How many of you that's ever happened to you? Statistics say this was a statistic done by the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. They have found that doctors diagnosing serious illnesses misdiagnose illnesses as often as 40% of the time. But I don't need to tell you that because you've been misdiagnosed. Why does this happen? Because doctors are humans. They diagnose the sickness based on the information they have. Oftentimes, they are limited in their knowledge or sometimes even in incompetence. They have never studied that field or practiced that type of medicine, and they make a judgment based on the best information that they have, and 40% of the time, they're wrong. Many Christians today are suffering from pain, painful situations. They look at their life. They feel pain and suffering, but many times, because of their limited understanding, they misdiagnose the cause of the pain And so they misdiagnose the source of the pain. And oftentimes, misdiagnosis leads to the wrong treatment. Let me give you a practical illustration, a real-life scenario. A couple has been married for years, 20, 30 years. And over time, the wife becomes very unhappy in the marriage. She feels pain of neglect, pain of underappreciation, and on and on the list goes. Self-diagnosis. She looks at her life and she thinks, my husband is the problem. He is the source of my pain. And so she prescribes her own treatment. She decides to get a divorce. She ends the marriage. She thinks, because I've gotten rid of this problem, I will, uh, I will be relieved from this pain. Several years go by, she meets another man, and you guessed it, the pain shows up again. The same feelings of underappreciation, the same feeling of pain and neglect. If I'm hurting you this morning, I'm not trying to. I'm just using a very common real-life situation. That same pain of whatever caused the first marriage to fail continues in the second marriage because the pain, the source of the pain, was not the husband. The source of the pain is what we find in Genesis chapter number 3, sin. And all God's people said, the source of all pain is sin. You understand this morning that much like this woman who misdiagnoses pain in our life, we try to treat the pain sometimes with more sin. Sometimes we try to treat the pain with some other thing, but the initial pain, because we're not treating it correctly, we're not dealing with it correctly, is then multiplied. And instead of finding healing in our life, instead of finding peace in our life, instead of recovering from pain, we amplify our suffering. Now, let's go back to the list that we made. Look at the list that you made. And if you didn't make the list, you might have some things in your mind. If you look at that list with a heart of wisdom and understanding, you can recognize in every single thing in your life, 
that causes pain as the source being sin. If you look at that list and you think about that list with a heart of understanding and a heart of wisdom, you can see that everything on your list in your life that causes pain, the source is sin. A broken marriage isn't because of a personality conflict. It's not because of money problems. It's not because he doesn't listen or she nags too much. These are all surface manifestations of a source pain, and the source is sin. You see, when my wife or my husband act in an unloving way, it's sin. When others treat me badly and they don't appreciate me, it's sin. When my children reject Christ, it's sin. When Christian brethren walk away from God or fail me, it's sin. When there's a death of a loved one or suffering, it's sin. You say, what are you talking about? You see, all source of pain, every source of pain comes from sin because of Genesis chapter number three, the curse of sin. That's letter A in your notes. See, there's only two sources of sin, or it's perpetrated in two ways. Letter A, there's the curse. You understand that the world that we lived in is, is the world that we live in is cursed. Everything is cursed. As we read that chapter, we learned about how because of Adam's sin, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, wherefore is by how many men? One man sin entered into the world, and what? Death by sin causes death. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You see, the ground is cursed because of sin. Our body is cursed because of sin. How many of you get out of a chair in the morning and go, oh, or you get up, I, I sound like a Rice Krispies commercial when I'm walking around. I'm like, snip, crack, pop. We, it's all because of sin. Allergies are sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Childbearing was cursed because of sin. Work was cursed because of sin. And guess what? We cannot change the curse. In our flesh, there's nothing we can do about the curse. We live in a world that is cursed with sin. And so... Oftentimes, while the world looks at their pain and they turn to God and they raise their fists to God and they say, why, God, why did you allow this in my life? How could you allow this in my life? We're not looking at the source of pain. The source of pain is what? Sin. I said the source of pain is what? Sin. Is he the source of pain? No. So we have the curse and we can do nothing about it. But there's another way that sin is perpetrated, not just through the curse, but let her be this. I call it the cycle of sin. We read Romans 3.23, for all have what? We're all sinners. I said, we're all sinners. And yes, we look at somebody else and we think, I can't believe they did that. We ought to look in the mirror sometimes and say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I acted that way. I can't believe how selfish I am. I can't believe how ignorant I can be sometimes or how whatever the case may be because we are all sinners. The Bible says, Romans 6, 23, the wage of sin, the cost, the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Amen. Hebrews 9, 27 says that we cannot stop death. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment, you could try to, uh, get yourself cryogenically frozen or whatever, it's appointed a man wants to die. And so we understand that we live in this world, this cursed world. Take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter number six. Romans chapter number six. Look at verse six. Knowing this, that our what? Old man 
is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be what? You see, when Christ came, he destroyed the body of sin. We're going to talk about that in a moment. That henceforth we should not what? Serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We cannot change the curse. However, in Christ, we can change the cycle. Some of you grew up in an abusive home. You grew up in a situation where sin happened to you. It happened to you. Some of you have never told anyone. You keep it in here. Some of you have grown up in situations that were hard. The parents who neglected you. Some of you don't even know your parents. Some of you have gone through things like that, and it's your choice to perpetrate the sin or to terminate the sin. See, if I grew up in a bad home, I could turn around and treat my children the same way. I can perpetrate the cycle of sin, or I can terminate through the power of Christ the cycle of sin. You see, we, through Christ, don't have to serve sin. So instead of being selfish, we can be selfless. So instead of bitterness and hate, we can love unconditionally and forgive. Instead of hateful, I can love. And through Christ, I can change the cycle. Think about what Christ went through on the cross. And he was beaten and he was, his flesh was torn and he was crucified on the cross. And yet he forgave us of all our sin. He broke the cycle. And you could break the cycle. I think about Stephen as he was being stoned simply for believing in Christ and preaching Christ. And as the rocks were pummeling his head, he said, what? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. He broke the cycle. You say we can either perpetrate the sin or we can terminate it. Through Christ, we have the power to change the cycle. So those items on your list, the ones that you wrote down or maybe the ones that you didn't write down, as you look at that list and you realize the things that caused you pain, you can either perpetrate that or you can terminate that. Are you with me today? Somebody treats you unfairly and hurts your feelings and, and causes pain. You can either perpetrate that and respond in the same way. And you could get back at them and you could get your revenge. And, and You're not going to treat me that way. You could do that or you could terminate it and say, I forgive you. I know you hate me, but I love you. And all God's people said... Amen. You might have a spouse who's unkind to you, who treats you unkindly. You can either perpetrate the sin or you can terminate the sin. I know what's happening is unfair. I know what's happening isn't right, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you unconditionally. I'm going to love you the way that Christ loves me, and I'm going to let God work the healing process. Amen. Your bitterness is not going to fix anything. Your unforgiveness will not, will not terminate the cycle of sin. It'll only continue the cycle. And so we see the source of all pain is sin. So church, the source of all pain is what? Sin. I know what you're thinking, pastor. That's easy for you to say. You're not suffering with the pain that I'm suffering with. You don't understand. And honestly, I know that. And most likely you're right. But it does not change the truth. You can perpetrate that or you can terminate that. And don't forget that there's somebody who knows what you're going through quite well. And as we read at the beginning of the service, I may not understand, nobody may understand, but you can cry unto your Father who hears out of his holy temple. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let me take you to the encouraging part. So we see the source of sin. 
The source of pain is sin. Then we see number two, the solution of pain. You see, yes, there's a source, but there's also a solution. And thank God for that. Look at Romans 5.12 again. It says, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. We read Genesis chapter number three, and death passed upon all men for all have sinned, but something else happened. You see, we know that the source of pain is sin, but here's a problem. Before we get into the source, we see letter A, we see counterfeit solutions. You see, Satan, since the beginning, has come up with counterfeit solutions. We read about it just now in Genesis chapter number three. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. If you eat this apple, you'll know good and evil, just like God does. It's a counterfeit solution. And in our lives today, Satan is very good at counterfeit solutions. Look at Genesis chapter number three, verse one. Let's look at what happens here. The serpent was more subtle. That means sneaky and, and conniving than any beast of the field the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the trees. And look at verse three, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, ye shall not eat, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the woman said, ye shall not surely die. Let me offer you another solution. For God knows that when you eat of it, then your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. You see, it was a solution, but it was a counterfeit solution. And too often we make the same mistake in our lives. We make the mistake of thinking that Satan fights fair. How many of you have ever been in a fight? Raise your hand high. How many ladies have ever been in a fight? Not with your husband, I mean like fist fight. I just want ladies to know that if there was a fight between you and somebody, my money would be on you. Amen? And... Uh, You've been in a fight. You ever fight with somebody that don't fight fair? Remember when I was a kid? I was in uh, fifth or sixth grade, probably fifth grade or fourth grade. And we lived in Wisconsin, and there was a church next to our house that we lived in. And there was a fence there, and the plow would come in, and it would push all the snow up and make these huge piles of snow. And I'd go down there, and I'd play in the snow all the time. I remember one day I'm down there, I'm playing in the snow, and we made holes. And that was back in the day, back in the days when you could play outside and nobody tried to kidnap you. And so I was outside. And if they did, nobody cared anyway. But anyway, I was out there playing, and uh, these kids came, these three kids come walking up. And, and in my mind, you know, I remember the day. It was such a weird thing that happened in my life. I'm wearing a coat, I have a hat on, I have my gloves on, I'm out playing in the snow, fourth grade. And these three kids come walking up to me, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to want to play tag or something, or they're going to play baseball or, or play in the snow or something. And they came up to me, and the kid in the middle, he didn't say a word. He just punched me in the face. Just, we walk up to each other. We, I'm like smiling, like, hey, guys, boom. And I remember he punched me. He had gloves on, like uh, snow gloves. It didn't hurt that bad. But it just shocked me. I just, it, like, jarred me. That was the first of many times I'd be punched. And he punched me in the face, and it just shocked me, and I, and I just stared at him, and they just kind of laughed and walked away. That wasn't very fair. <laughs> Satan doesn't fight fair. You think that he's going to let up on you because you're down? You think that somehow he has a moral compass, and, and oh, because you're tired and because you're suffering pain, he's going to leave you alone? No! What Satan does is he waits for you to have, when you're at your weakest point, and that's when he goes for the juggler. He waits for you. He tries to find the wound in your life, and he digs into the wound. Satan doesn't fight fair. Satan is looking for the weakness in your life, and that's what he's going after. So what do we need to do? Too many of us, we find counterfeit solutions when we're suffering. 
Satan, ex Satan exploits us at our weakest moments. Nobody here needs me to tell you statistics. You don't need statistics on divorce, alcoholism, drug abuse. You don't need those statistics because every person in this room has suffered from their family or themselves going through one of those things in their life. See, Satan is happy. He's contented keeping us searching for counterfeits because he knows that those counterfeits will only create a temporary relief and it will drown us deeper in despair. Brethren, alcohol is a counterfeit solution. I said alcohol is a counterfeit solution. Well, I'll just have a few beers and I'll relax a little bit. No, it's a counterfeit solution. You get drunk night after night and you spend your money on booze night after your night and you kill your liver and you ruin your relationships and you lose your job and you get a DUI and all these things. It's a counterfeit. Well, I feel good while I'm drinking. I feel good. It's, a, it's temporary. But you're going deeper into despair. Brethren, drug addiction is a counterfeit solution. I'm not just talking about heroin and all these things. I'm talking about the pills that we take over the counter to feel nothing. It's a counterfeit solution. You see, we think that we shouldn't have to suffer pain, but God allows pain to come into our lives sometimes. Watching hours of entertainment is not a solution. Well, I'm just going to binge watch Netflix for three days in a row. Not the solution. The wrong type of relationship. Are you listening? The wrong type of relationship, an immoral relationship with someone who we know we should not be with, we often run to that relationship to feel some sort of comfort, to, to ease some sort of our pain, but it's a counterfeit solution. Just like Satan in the Garden of Eden tricked Eve into thinking, just eat the apple and everything will be great. The devil is trying to fool all of us with drugs and alcohol and relationships, and we get involved in these things, and what does it do? It causes us to plunge deeper into despair until we hit rock bottom. And that's why we have ministries for that, because we want to help people. I said we want to help people. Get out of that despair in that cycle. Oh, hey, money isn't a counterfeit solution. I'll have a bigger home, a better car, a nicer boat. I'll go fishing more often. I'll have a better hobby. I'll do more. These are all, and there's a long list of counterfeit solutions. Oh, my friends. But we don't have to fall for those. Hey, we don't have to fall for those counterfeit solutions. Do you know why? Because there's a real deal out there. There's a real solution to every pain that we suffer. And that's letter B, Christ is the solution. I said Christ is the solution. I said Christ is the solution. You can wallow in your counterfeit solutions all that you want. But my friend, I invite you to know somebody, to know, to have a relationship with the real solution. There's a real solution to your problem today. There's a real solution to your broken marriage today. There's a real solution to your drug addiction today. There's a real solution to your money problems today. There's a real solution and it's Christ. He is the real solution. I said, He is the real solution. Oh, but so many Christians and so many people are wrapped up in their own despair because they're caught up in this counterfeit that the devil has sold them and is happy to. Go to Romans chapter number 5. Let me show you this. Romans chapter 5, look at verse 17. For as by one man 
One man's sin, of course, we read verse 12, look at verse 17, for by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more than they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, wherefore, as by the offense of one, judgment come upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience were many made sinners, so by one's obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered. The offense might abound, but where sin abounded, what? Grace did much more abound than that, verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. By Jesus Christ our Lord, I think about Paul who said, Jesus, I can't do this. Uh, Can you take this pain away from me? Three times Paul asked, can you take this pain away from me? And what was his response? My grace is sufficient. You see, Christ and his grace is the solution to our pain. There's only one answer to the painful packages that life sends our way, and that is Jesus Christ. Someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? And here's his reply. He said, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. By God's grace, we can get through pain. By God's grace, we can learn to forgive. By God's grace, we can try to move on. By God's grace, we can heal. By God's grace, we can love unconditionally. By God's grace, we can keep praying even when we don't feel like praying. By God's grace, we can keep serving. By God's grace, we can find joy. By God's grace, we can get through another day The source of pain is always sin, but the solution for pain is always Jesus. And let me encourage you with one last thought, and that's the sovereignty of pain. We see the source. God is not the source of pain. I want to say that again, and you need to say amen. God is not the source of pain. He's not. Sin is always the source of pain. God sent the solution for pain, and that is Christ And God is sovereign over pain. That's his purpose. You see, our pain has a purpose. You say, Pastor, I don't want that purpose. I don't want this pain. I know. But God always has a purpose. We need to find the purpose for the pain. I said we need to find the purpose for the pain. You see, sometimes God allows us to suffer pain to prepare us for a greater usefulness for him. Let's not forget that we might live 70, 80 years on this planet, but we live for eternity somewhere. And we ought to be used for God while we're here. Because every soul that we lead to Christ or every soul that we help bring to church or every soul that we point to God, those are people that will be in heaven for eternity. I said for eternity. And so sometimes God allows us to go through pain to get us ready for a greater usefulness, much like an athlete uh, prepares thousands and thousands of practices and lift weights and does all these things. It prepares him for something greater. Sometimes the pain is to draw us closer to God. How many of you you ladies, when your, your kids were small and they scraped their knee or they hurt themselves, they came running to mom or dad? And they come running to you and they grab onto you and they cry and you comfort them. That's sometimes pain does that for us with God. We're out here playing around and we get hurt and we come to God and say, God, I need your comfort. I need your help. Sometimes it's to push us back on track. I said, sometimes it's to push us back on track. We start getting off and and start getting away from the Lord. And sometimes God allows things in our life to just remind us. And that's Hebrews chapter number 12, verse five and six. Sometimes like a tree, is causing us to send our roots deeper 
Sometimes like those trees, he wants us to send roots deeper so that we can bear greater fruit. All right, take out that list and we're done. You got your list there or in your mind, you have that list. Everything that you wrote down, God has a purpose for. Let me say it again. Everything that you wrote down, God has a purpose for in your life. Say, Pastor, I don't understand that. Neither do I, but I trust him. I said, I trust him. My list is not your list. Your list is probably longer. Your list is not your neighbor's list. We all have things that cause us pain, but the truth remains. God has a purpose for this. Here's some things that I wrote down. Others treat me badly, unlovingly. This is just hypothetical. Uh, Others treat me badly, unlovingly, or don't appreciate me. This causes us to draw closer to God and recognize his acceptance of me. How about this? When my spouse or my children act in an unloving way, this teaches me how much Christ loves me, even though I fail him so often. My children or family reject Christ. This reminds me to be faithful and that at any time, the conversion of a family member might rest upon my faithfulness. Christian brethren walk away from God or who quit on God. This helps me keep on track and to watch my life and to walk circumspectly so that I don't fail too. Oh, the death of a loved one or the suffering of a loved one. This causes me to send my roots deeper in Christ and to search for comfort from him instead of searching for the solutions that are counterfeited by the devil. I'm just telling you this morning, everything on your list has a purpose. My own pain, my own disease. This draws me closer to him as my prayers increase in suffering. May I encourage you today that in Christ, all pain has purpose. The last passage I want you to go to, and I'll close. Take your Bibles and go to Revelation 21. I'm actually preaching out of this message tonight as well. Such an encouragement. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I can take this. I don't know if I can handle this one. This one might break me. This one might do me. I hear you loud and clear. Let me encourage you with one last thought. Look at Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven. A what? A new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Revelation 21, verse 2, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I go to what? Prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God, verse 4, shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. No more death, church family. Neither sorrow nor crying Neither shall there be any more, what? No more pain. For the former things have passed away. Here's the encouragement today. Yes, our pain has purpose, but our pain isn't permanent. Yes, we suffer sometimes many years. Yes, we suffer multiple things sometimes at once. But someday, all pain will cease. God will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. We have eternity. I said we have eternity. Romans chapter number 8, verse 18. Maybe that's why Paul says this. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall shall be revealed in us. That song that we sung today, 
I love it. There's coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more cloud, no more ash in the sky. Amen. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a glorious day that will be. Every head bowed and every eye closed today.